don't even know any tunes yet, man. What do you mean, man? We have two rehearsals, man. Besides, it's just punk rock, man. You know, all you don't have to know how to play. All you just got to do is be a punk, man. We could do that. Oh, we got to get loaded first, though. Yeah, we should get loaded. Way you think that I run the Summer of love is 10 years gone. No, in 10 years, baby, I'll be gone. But I'm now, right now. Power's in your head. Bridge is nothing under there. Peace and love for free. They don't mean a thing to me. Lifers Podcast with Scott Lucas, Gabe Rodriguez, and Ben Reiser. And now, here's Scott, Gabe, and Ben. Uh, Gabe. Yes. You seen Smile yet? Did you go see Smile? I told you. No. I I don't know if I can handle something that that heavy. I have Heidi take you to see. It's a it's a date movie. Did no, I ever take you to see it. Did you see it, Ben? No. Not yet. It's it's really good, and I think you would love it, Gabe. It's I don't not think scary. So. I mean, it is scary. It's really scary. No, that's what I mean, you would call a scary ass movie. I, I can't sleep after stuff like this, and it'll mess up my whole week. I, well, you say you can sleep during the movie. Why don't you just go to sleep during the movie? No, that's the one thing I cannot sleep through is a horror movie because it keeps me awake thinking how scary it is. Uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> if that makes sense. Uh, you and I, you and I uh, we definitely want different things out of our entertainment. I, don't, I still don't understand because you're such a metal fan and most metal, well, at least most Iron Maiden songs are based on horror movies. How can you not... Do you, do you see the problem I'm having with this? Yeah, but that's not horror, like death. I mean, they, they sing like Phantom of the Opera and, and... Children of the Damned? I don't know what that is. Is that a movie? It's not horror, like death? No, it's just killers. Killers? It sounds like Murders a in the Rue Morgue? I'm not afraid of Iron Maiden. <laughs> I never was afraid. But it's but, the same subject matter, is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, why are you why are you not afraid of Iron Maiden, but you're afraid of these movies that they're singing about? It's real in the movie. Well, it's not real, but it's, it, it it looks like it's real. They're singing mm. a. It's like reading a book that's about horror. I, I, that doesn't scare me. A movie what's about the, horror. What's the horror movie that you saw that scared you that set you on your path of I'm not down for this. <laughs> Trilogy of Terror. <laughs> <laughs> Scared the hell out of me, and never again would I ever sit through something that evil. That and uh, 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 Exorcist. Evil. Exorcist. Evil. How old were you when you saw Trilogy of Terror, though? 
I was probably five or six, and it was at the drive-in in, in uh, Waukegan, you know? The- so you haven't made any uh, strides in in being able to discern what is real and what isn't real no, since you were that's five. No, that's why I don't like campfire campsites at night, because I'm afraid of the 13th, you know? And it's, it's just, I'm deathly scared of the dark in a, in a forest anywhere near a campsite because of Friday the 13th. <laughs> My God. If I was by myself, forget it. How about, you know, in, in uh, Texas, around Austin, they, they have screenings of Texas Chainsaw Massacre in the forest. Now that, we got to go to. If it's well lit in the daytime, sure. No, no, <laughs> at night. <laughs> no, no I'd, be, I'd be afraid of the smell of death in the air. They would probably put some kind of funky f- pigs in the air, dead pigs, and just blow wind across the thing so you, make, so you know you're in a butcher house. Speaking of wind, Gabe, who do we have on the podcast today? I didn't know where you were going with this one, speaking of wind. Today, we have Kevin Seconds. We got Kevin Seconds on the show. Wow. Legend. After a dearth of guests over the past three weeks, after... Listening to Ben broadcast in his underwear after <laughs> listening to me broadcast on, on the Highway 80 of Broken Dreams, we've got a real guest this week, and it's a real guest. It's Kevin Seconds from 7 Seconds. He might have the longest resume of anybody we've had on the show. When I say resume, I just mean... Your resume. I just mean the history, you know, the, the, the time on the road, like the lifer. He is a true lifer, and he's a lifer that made us want to be a lifer, right? Oh, yeah. Someone uh, I looked up to from the second I heard their music. Yes, he was, uh, he was the kind of guy that would, was just, I was like, just the way he interacted with the audience and the way he would talk to people and the relationship he would have with the audience, I was like, that's the way to do it. I still don't know how to do it, and I still haven't quite done it that way. But, but at the time, I thought, that might be a way to do it. I went a different way, of course. But, but yes, it's Kevin Seconds. I've never gotten, seen you interact with a crowd like he does, where he would get the crowd to sing along with him on all the whoa, whoa, woes. Like, have you ever thought about you know, cutting the crowd in half and saying that people on the right, you know, or, or anything like that at a show. Kevin doesn't do that. I know, but it, you know, it's, it's just, he'll, no, he'll, can't. he'll pick up card apart a crowd and just say, Hey, you know, sing along with me. He'll, he'll, he'll cut the, he'll cut the crowd. Like you cut the cards. Is that what you're saying? I'm, I'm thinking Bruce Dickinson, you know, he'll say people on the right, you know, and then they get to sing the, whoa, whoa, whoa. And the people. On yeah. The left. I'm not, I'm not made from that stuff. I, 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 that's not something that, that I feel comfortable doing. Well, you don't I divide the... you, motherfuckers. <laughs> well, I've seen you do versions of that, and it's great when you do. Get wow, people versions. to sing along with stuff. Get people but, to sing with, with high-fiving motherfucker or, you know, soul, soul, and motherfucking soul. I, I've, seen you, I've seen you lead the crowd, not in a real formal way, but... No? Ben, it's good to see you with clothes um, on. <laughs> Listen, I had clothes on that time. 
was in my P- I was in my PJs. How high were you last week, Ben? Eh, I wasn't that high. I was. I was. The 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 real dynamic was that my wife was sleeping like five feet away from me. Um, we have these like two separate beds in my childhood bedroom. So on the other side York. of the computer was her. Yeah, but she was sleeping. Lurking. So like I thought the, the character from the ring. <laughs> yes, from the ring. Um, she's uh, so. I thought we were podcasting. Then it then it seemed like we weren't going to be podcasting. Then she fell asleep, and then it, suddenly we were going to be podcasting. And I didn't want to wake her up to say, "Hey, I'm going to be podcasting." podcasting. I didn't seem to have <laughs> any place else to go. Yeah. And so for and she's usually a pretty sound sleeper, but maybe a half an hour in, and a, plus I had uh, headphones on, so about a half an hour into the podcast, she woke up and apparently was like saying saying to me, "What what's going on? What are you doing?" But I couldn't hear her. So then she started texting me from her phone to my phone saying, what the fuck or what the hell is going on? Uh Then before I realized anything was going on, she had stormed out of the room and found some other place to sleep. And so then I was feeling guilty. And it was so it was it wasn't so much that I was high. I was just sort of feeling bad and distracted. Same thing. Yeah. I always feel bad and distracted when I get high. So I, I, I went to the. Went to see Smile, went to see the Bowie movie. I've been trying to decompress. I'm back home. And I was like, we got to get somebody. And Kevin was just here for Riot Fest, which it seemed like everyone had a great time. And so I just, you know, reached out to him. And I didn't even know if he'd remember me. And then he sent me this email. And, you know, I mean, I've, I got back from the tour. And I'm just kind of burned out. And, you know, like, we had to cancel Seattle, and and my voice never quite recovered. Got sick, so I was just kind of like, you know, just like, ugh, just burnt out and feeling really down. And then he sends this email, and it's just, just brightened up my day and everything. And it was just like Kevin used to be, and it, that effect that he would have on you back in the day, Gabe. And he just had that same effect on me yesterday. Oh, yeah. So it just. Made my day. It was great. And whether or not he had agreed to do it or not, it would have been great to get a message from him like that. And that's just the kind of guy he is. So I'm very excited that he's on the show. Um, yeah, he yeah. he might be one of the biggest influences in my upbringing from age 17 to 22. He is the most positive person I've ever looked up to in that way. And I yeah, just, but the, right. The influence is beyond the music. Yeah, like not just, just musically. It's right. It's, it's exactly. lyrically. It's it's lifestyle. It's just you know work ethic, DIY. This guy did it when nobody else was doing it in his own right. town, and he started a, a scene in his own town, and started a label, and started doing his own art and all this stuff. And forty-two years later, they're still doing it, and, and bigger than ever. Like so, the, the, those tours that that they did with uh, with uh, Circle Jerks and Negative Approach this year, like pe- everybody was raving about it, and you know, yeah, uh, yeah, it's great to see. What were you gonna say, Ben? I was gonna say, Gabe. So you're the two the two guiding influences in your life have been Kevin Seconds and the and Trilogy De- of Terror and the Devil Doll from Trilogy of Terror. <laughs> Were you going to say that? Did yeah. I ruin it? Oh, yes. Ben. 
I'm so sorry. <laughs> it's okay. I no. thought you were going to say like Iron Maiden. I didn't no. realize that you were going where I was going. <laughs> oh, I'm such a dick. Hey, oh, it's I'm okay, so Ron. No, no, no. It's fine. It's beautiful. Oh, it's no, nice I, to be on the I same actually, track. Uh, I was cleaning out one of my bins from storage today, and, and Heidi brings this thing up to me. It's it's our our work pass from the show in Waukegan when Matt oh, booked. Right. He booked uh, seven right. seconds in Waukegan, yeah. and he made for us all birthday. these. Yeah, for my birthday. Yeah. He made us all these <laughs> passes with our pictures on them, all the people that were working on the stage and stuff. Wait, let me see and, that again. Cause boy, you look, you look wild like in that picture. That's not you, dude. That looked just like your brother. It doesn't even look like you. I mean, that's me. You know, it's ironic that you're afraid of horror movies because you look like somebody to be afraid of. I've been picture. told that. I've been. Told you look that. like that little doll in Trilogy of Terror. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of dolls and stuff, I, it's not a devil doll. What's the name of that doll? It's got like a name. Chucky. No, oh. it's got it's got a definite. It's like name. a tribal it's, name. It's a tribal. Uh, Fertility doll or something, right? What is that? What it is? Z- it's the Zuni Hunter doll. Oh. Zuni, Z-U-N. I'm getting kind of freaked out about all these dummy pictures you're posting on, <laughs> on online, and, and people are telling me, "Hey, cool it with these pictures." I mean, Heidi doesn't like them. What, what's going on? You're trying to scare people to not come out? What are you doing? Well, it's been working. <laughs> Here's my question: Can anybody remember the other two parts of the trilogy in Trilogy of Terror? Yes. Wow. Uh, there was the one that starred Karen Black. And then they all starred the Karen, Black. Starred Karen oh, Black. Okay. Oh, I'm sorry. I ruined your thing. We were on yes, the same uh, thing. Let's see. Check. Okay. Now we're even, <laughs> sucker. Hey, everybody. It's Kevin Seconds. Oh, wow. <clears throat> Holy shit. We came back into the realm of guests in a big way. Oh, man. In a big way. How you doing, Kevin? I'm it's good to see you. Scott. It's good to see you too, man. Oh, it's good wow. to, good to, I had to I had to look up what you what you've been up to, and I knew I knew I know you're still playing, but I don't know. Do you guys ever play Sacramento? You come through Sacramento? No, we were we were just there, but you oh. were here in Chicago ah, at okay. Riot Fest, and I missed it. I missed you at Riot Fest. How was it? It was really great, actually. You know, Riot Fest is nuts, and we always have fun. But Riot Fest, you know, they they look. Uh, I love to see the posters. I love to see our name on the posters and stuff. And then, and then once you're there and you're driving around in a little golf cart, and it, it, everything is just so surreal, you know. Uh, but yeah, you know, we got to see the um, the behind the scenes misfit misfits, uh, you know, uh, gear and and their set list. And I felt like I don't want to take a photo because I'm afraid things bad things will happen and some demon force will come out and. But yeah, it was great, and we had a we really had a great time, and we got to play you know one of the big stages this time, and he had a nice uh, nice set. Um, we were in between Fear and uh, Bad Religion, you know, so that was pretty nice. Epic. But yeah, yeah, that's it's great. And you just got done with a tour with Circle Jerks and Negative Approach. Yeah, and I missed that one too. Uh, bad, 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 Scott. I, I didn't see it at all, but I got to see it on stream almost every night, which was I was right. very grateful for. Very grateful. There you go. Yeah. See, we 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 try and do what we can for 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 the kids. You know, it's just still doing it for yeah. the kids. <laughs> right. Of course. You know, I have one of those jobs that prevents me from watching other people do their job, and sometimes it sucks. And yeah. those are two instances that that just. I mean, when was that show in Chicago with? Uh, Negative approach and circle jerks. Like May, 
that was yeah no 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 that would have been just uh god it, it, that, that was seriously the longest tour we've ever done e- yeah. even though it it was broken up and we had to reschedule it just felt it just never would end you know and and everything mm-hmm. looked so great the sketch the the itinerary was so perfect and we had this massive show at the Palladium in LA that would be the final show and then we were and it just kept getting because of COVID and because of right. uh, all of that. We just kept, um, yeah. But the the Chicago show was right when we found out uh, one of us had COVID. So that was um, late. My birthday was in Minneapolis, March twenty fourth. So it was just after that. So just late March, basically, wow. was when we we started out and did the the you know the mid the Midwest uh, Salt Lake City and then Denver and and then went up to the. The Midwest, yeah. So the, yeah. the tour wasn't always supposed to end in at the nine thirty club. Um, no, no, we it was gonna we were gonna just do the whole go out to the East Coast, uh, go down to like the Carolinas. Not we weren't going doing Florida, and then we were gonna swing around and do Atlanta and New Orleans and Texas. And Texas would have been the sort of the last big get in the van and drive thing. And then like two right. weeks later, we would have. We were going to come back down and do Pomona and um, and the Palladium, the Hollywood show, which was going to be the big finale show, and that's what we signed up for. And we're like, all right, this is perfect, you know. And and we were right in right. the middle, so we got the juicy middle spot, you know. We didn't have to. It, we, we we it was pretty pretty perfect, really. It was a, it was a great and yeah. and and that kind of bill makes sense for not everybody, but the people that it makes sense uh, to, you know, it was it was it was pretty epic. It was pretty great. It was a great bill. I love negative approach. And yeah, that must have been great to get to see them play every night. It, it just, I mean, it's om- they're almost more scary and intense because they're older, and <laughs> yeah. they and and it's yeah, it's like, how are you this intense and furious? And yet, they're all this. I, I, maybe I shouldn't say this, but they're the nicest. They're the sweetest guys in the world. They're all. They talk about their kitties and their kids, and they're you know they're really really fun. They we really had a blast hanging out with those guys and and just getting to know John and and Ron and those guys. Um, and you know the Circle Jerks, we go back with them for you know we did a bit, one of our big first big major tours was in '88, doing a two month run with them in North America, and that was that was a blast. So, yeah, I mean, and just for the fact that you know a, a year prior to that, if you would have suggested that we were going to be back on the road, I would have just said like, yeah, it's not right. going to happen. It's just not possible. We're broken and crazy and right old and fat. So, but yeah, it all turned out okay. Did, did- did Keith ask you to tour with them as a way of dragging you guys out of retirement? You think? Yeah, for sure. I mean, we I I went down to, uh, this label out of L.A. called Trust Records uh, reissued the Crew, the first album, and they asked mm-hmm. me if I would come down to L.A. and do some like media stuff, which I hadn't done. And and I at first I said no, but then it was like I got a chance to, to meet Shepard Ferry, which was pretty cool. And um, I said, you know what, I'll do what I can, whatever I can do to promote as long as I'm not doing interviews you know every day and that kind of stuff I just and so yeah I went down for like a weekend to LA and and I had dinner with Keith and uh, he said hey you know what do you guys think about doing a you know playing the Palladium with us and I was like ah it sounds great Keith but I don't know if you've heard the news where we broke up and we're all (laughs) retired and playing golf and shit now and and then he said no no I know and he goes so anyway he kept 
you know, mentioned it, and he emailed me, and then he said, I said, well, you know, I talked to Steve. Uh, Troy's out because physically he just can't do it anymore. But I think we have a uh, – Bobby, our guitar player, was into it. And I said, I said we may have a, a possibility of having just a, a guest friend drummer play with us for this one show. And he said, cool. And then I think two weeks later we got a call. Our Margie, our booker, said, hey, they want you to do a bunch of dates. Would you guys – you know?" it was just like I think they were just going to push it as far as they could. And then, you know – and, and it, at that point it made sense because we had Sammy um, who's playing drums with us, Sammy Siegler now. And um, things were really starting to gel with him at rehearsals. And Troy was on board. Troy said, hey, you know, if this gives us a chance to kind of put a a nice, happy, fun ending to this whole thing, which we didn't end it in the way that we wanted. It was just everybody was broken and our spirits were like, oh, this sucks. I don't we can't do this. So to be able to go back out and, and at least say thanks to everybody. And, you know, it's been amazing and that was really appealing to me and probably more so than I even let on with everybody else in the band. I just said, you know, I'm, I was, you know, I was, I was working a full-time job and, you know, doing, I'm doing more painting and all kind of artwork stuff now. So I, I was, I'm pretty happy with how things are at home, but yeah, uh, it just made sense. And Steve was really excited about it. Uh, Bobby was excited about it. And, and Troy, you know, Troy was just like, I can't be there, but I think you guys should do it, and you got my blessing, and I was right. just, you know, so everything kind of worked out okay. Uh, you know, it seemed like if if we're going to do this, we might as well do it with some bands that we've 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 played with a lot. Well, we never had we'd never played with Negative Approach, which is kind of funny, but then they reminded me that they'd kind of disappeared for years and years and years, and I kind of forgot about that. Yeah. I was like, oh yeah, that's right. They kind of came back and started doing a lot of stuff. So fun i mean when you broke up in 2018 that statement that you posted mm-hmm. one of the reasons you cited for breaking up was not being terribly relevant i mean i certainly <laughs> hope you don't feel that way after the year you've just had you don't uh really. no and you know i was i mean part of it was certainly was feeling sorry for myself but also just kind of like uh it's it's a really surreal thing to be a band this long you know what i mean like especially within this genre you know like nobody really wants to see a hardcore band you know in their 50s and 60s i don't even you know what i mean like when i when i go out to see them if they come through town i'm like all right these guys are gonna i know they're gonna suck and they're gonna make me cry because it's so pitiful so when they kick ass like um like negative approach or circle jerks, I'm so I'm so pleased. I'm so excited and happy because I'm like it's nice to see there still is a there are still a lot of people that love this music, this style of music, and and uh, it's just nice to to see, especially young people. Like we, there were so many young people coming out to the shows, and yeah. a lot of people, a lot of kids. <laughs> I call everybody kids, but a lot of people that are uh, whose parents got them into it, and they just kind of you know listen to their records and something sparked in them and stuff, and so. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't know. The relevant thing was kind of, I, I got, I actually got a lot of shit from a lot of friends, you know, took me aside and said, you know, dude, you're kind of, I almost feel like you're shitting on, on us. We've been with you the whole time. And I'm like, you know what? You're right. I, I, I was just, I was having a bad couple of weeks and, and it was not something that I wanted to do, but I also had all the voices in my head from booking people and, and, and we were getting tour offers still and, you know, incredible offers going over to Australia with, bands and making a bunch of money and and it just I, I couldn't stand anymore and I just said I don't want to hear any more about shows I just want to be I want to be done with it if we're done we're done you know so yeah it was a, it was kind of a surprise that it all came together as well as it did yeah you know I mean I was feeling uh, we just got back from this tour and it didn't go like maybe the best it's ever been I got sick and you know how that mm. that is but 
I was feeling a little down and burned out yesterday. And so when I asked you to do this and you, you replied to my email yesterday, I mean, it picked me up. It was like super touching, you know, and it made me remember how you've always been so positive and supportive and, you know, you walk that walk and you always make it seem so effortless, but, but it's, it's, I was going to ask you, is it, is it that easy? And and it's interesting (laughs) to hear you talk about like feeling sorry for yourself and stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, you know, I'm, I, I, you know, I, I can be a pretty miserable person, you know, and, and I, I know this because I, I'm married to a, a wonderful woman, Allison, who just kind of reminds me by just, by, I just, I, I, I follow her example, you know, she really does just go out and take a walk in the, around trees and stuff, and she really notices the little things that I just for years have just said, yeah, I know it's there, I'm glad it's there, but hey, man, uh, you know, there's so much more fun to, you know, and, and I and, and I think, you know, you just get so caught up in, you know, if you're in a band, like, I don't know how local each started, but with us, it was like the... It was always kind of a. We always laughed at the whole idea when we got signed to a major label in '95. We just we laughed. We were laughing when we were signing. We were like, "This is in, this is stupidity." Like, you know, we were already 15, 16, 17 years old. Like, what are they going to do with this? They're not going. We're not going to sell records. You know, they're they're hoping that we'll. You know, they're they're just trying to find something. They can't get Green Day or Rancid or that other. So they're going for the the next two or three tiers down. But it's it's just been funny and and silly and great and and when you get the chance to do it with people that you you love at, like brothers you know Steve Troy and I especially you know we've just had this I mean we fight like crazy but we also just get each other and and when it's all about the music and the the shows and stuff it just all comes together and uh, it's just hard for me to not do it you know that's it I mean physically it's a little hard for me to do these days but it's just not. Um, it's just something they'll always want to do, but yeah, the uh, I think punk rock for me was always kind of a, the minute that I realized it, I I connected with it and, and, and the music resonated with me. I just looked at it as a chance to get out of my. I I, I grew up in in a pretty poor, you know, it wasn't great, and uh, I needed something I wasn't finding, and punk rock was it. And so from that point on, I said I'm just not going to be. I'm going to do everything I can and not be, not be miserable. I'm going to make my own fun and I'm not going to let anyone tell me that I'm stupid or wrong or, uh, you know, whatever to, to at least try it. And so, mm-hmm. and I've just kind of, I try to, I try, I try to live, live along those lines as much as I can. There's, I'm, you know, I can be really cynical and just a prick, you know, I, and I really, <laughs> I hate it. I don't want to be, you know, I, I'm I know. fighting yeah. uh, as I get older, especially when I listen to, new contemporary stuff you know it's it's really easy for me to just dismiss and go oh this is not they're not doing it right what you know but i am excited when i hear something or i see something that younger people have made that just blows my mind i'm happy you know it does it makes me makes me uh excited and and hopeful about things (laughs) so
was the first punk band you heard? And you're like, wait, the what is first. This? Yeah, the first uh, it was the Sex Pistols, just because they were on TV, and it was it was uh, we'd heard the name, but we had no idea what it was. We didn't know what what punk rock was, uh, and then we saw a, a special on you know Engl- England's burning and the kids are going crazy and mm-hmm. they're choking each other and it's violent. And <laughs> I remember watching it was just some expose that they did on like NBC or something, and me and my brother were watching it and. Uh, and our, our, I remember our neighbor was watching it with us, and he was just going, look at this garbage. This is just terrible. And for some reason, like, I was just thrilled. I was – there was something about it was like, I don't know. This seems kind of cool. And, they, you know, they were like, God, oh, type that coin. And everything was just so raw, and they're, you know, they're spitting it at the band. And, and I was like, wow, that is just – where would you go to see that it, here in, in Reno, Nevada, <laughs> you know? And the the truth is, is that there was no place. But um, – but something about it just it just triggered something, and I kept sniffing around record stores, and there was you couldn't find punk rock records, and I kept asking, I was like, "Are you guys gonna ever carry the Sex Pistol record?" I didn't even know that they had seven inches or anything like that. I just I just wanted to hear that song, "God Save the Queen." And um, anyway, yeah, that was and the you, first. Had, band had you that, heard it by then? Uh, had you heard it, or just we, like we a snippet finally, on that special? I, uh, that was it for a long, long time, and then I went to uh, the. The public library of library of all places, and uh, I would just start going through Billboard magazines and old magazines, and just to, just to get any kind of. I, I, I was also a big Cream magazine guy, so you you that's uh, that stuff was trickling in through Cream and some Rolling Stone to a certain extent, but it was just. Being in Reno, there was just no access to cool shit. And then uh, right, right right after that, a friend of mine had said, have this band called the Ramones. They're pretty shitty. Do you want this record? And, and it was the first <laughs> record. And I said, uh, I don't know, whatever. So he let me borrow it, and I borrowed it, and I recorded it, and it was amazing. And so I ended up get, taking it off his hands. But, yeah, those were the two bands, and then I was, you know, I was hooked, and, and I couldn't – I couldn't – uh, I couldn't think of straight. I really couldn't. I had all this, you know, my Led Zeppelin and Rolling Stones records, and you know, fucking Grand Funk Railroad or whatever. And I, I just couldn't. Li- I couldn't listen to them. There was something about it that right. was just like, oh, I've already listened to this stuff, you know. So, but the first band that really that I saw live was DOA from Canada. They were the first band that I saw a punk rock band that played in front of us and just destroyed everything. And I was just like, this is what I want to do for sure. You know, this. I mean, I already had made up my mind, but seeing them play, do it so well, I was just like, this is insane. This is too good. Right. So did you start seven seconds the next day? Almost, yeah. Well, we started seven seconds before we saw DOA, but we, we were kind of, we couldn't find a drummer that could play fast. And there's a, there's a, I love that band, The Dills, um, from California yeah. that they, I had a couple of their seven inches and they were on a, we went to go see the Cheech and Chong movie up in smoke. And there's a scene in there where there's the battle of the bands and Cheech and Chong are putting together their band. And my mama talking to me, trying to tell me how to live, whatever, <laughs> Eric, my eye. And they, right. j- j- there's a snippet of the Dills they're playing. They're doing a sound check. And I, I was so obsessed with that little tiny, probably three second five second snippet that i would go to the i went up to the drive-in movie theater that was up the street from our house i snuck in i took my handheld tape recorder and i recorded it off one of those speakers <laughs> just that little part wow. and i kept saying i want a drummer that can play this fast and if you, if you listen to any of that stuff now it wasn't even that fast it was like the ramones <laughs> i remember thinking the ramones were like fastest band in the world but it was the strumming but there was no the drummer was just like you know but to me that was just like compared to aerosmith and and you know, Ted Nugent or whatever the hell we were listening to. 
But uh, I, we just couldn't find anybody that that want that could play that fast. We couldn't find anybody that would want to play in a band that was that considered itself punk rock. And we were already cutting our hair and putting making you know razor blade necklaces that we'd see in photos and doing all that stupid shit. And uh, yeah, we just we kept you know we kept looking for a drummer. And then we met this guy and and uh, named Tom and, and he didn't even play drums. He lied and said he 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 played uh, drums and he didn't. And we and so we showed up practice and he had just bought a drum kit that day and it was just awful and you know. <laughs> but with within months we were playing little shows basement shows in Reno this was early eighty and then uh, we had invited DOA to come and play I think in the the spring at a little makeshift venue we called the Rad House it was just literally the this back house small house behind some friends of ours house that they lived in this shitty neighborhood in Reno and they said if hey we got this room you guys want to practice there and we're like yeah sure so we built a stage and and soundproofed it or whatever and then we asked them if we could do shows and they said yeah sure why not the neighborhood doesn't give a shit so we wrote to we wrote to DOA we didn't even there was we didn't even have a phone number and uh we said hey we you should have come play Reno. And they were like, okay, how much can you pay us? And we we're like, I don't know. I think we paid them $200 or something. And they came through the next time they came down and, and killed it. And at that point on, the scene in Reno was so small, but it was really everybody was who was into it was into it. And so thank goodness DOA talked to Black Flag and Dead Kennedys and all these other great bands, Subhumans from Canada. And all of a sudden people were calling us saying, hey, how do we get to play Reno? And we we're like, we've... We, you're talking to the right people. You were the guy. You were the guy <laughs> in the like, we Yeah, yeah, one of them. So, what, yeah. what What about the first uh, seven seconds recording sessions? What were those like? Uh, I think the first one we did a four song demo in. Uh, there was a, there was only one guy in town that we could afford to record with. He had a four track reel to reel, and uh, he turned his daughter's bedroom into the recording. He just sent her away. And he'd say, come on over and track. So we would track everything, and then we'd do vocals. And we would, back then, because he only had four tracks, um, we would, I forgot how we bounced stuff, but we would get us and all of our friends to come in and do the big gang vocal thing uh, with one mic. We'd just all get yeah. in the room and just, like, yell out, you know, and I would be like, <laughs> da, da, da. Like, I'd try to emphasize with my hand, like a conductor or something. Right. But, yeah, that was probably the... The spring, early, early 1980, we did a session, and at that point, we had another singer. I didn't want to sing. I wanted to play guitar and be like Johnny Ramone and Johnny Thunder, whatever. Um, but we had this guy, Dim, who was on the cover of our first 7-inch, Skins, Brains, Guts, and uh, he was Tom, our drummer's little brother, and he said, hey, if you don't want to sing, uh, even though you, I wrote all the songs, but he said, my brother is a great singer. Of course, he wasn't a great singer, but he was a great yeller, and he was angry, and he looked really tough, so we said, it's perfect. So we did that for a couple of months, and, and Dim was the original singer on those recordings. And there's been a couple of little bootlegs uh, things out on that, that session. What about the sessions for the crew? Like, by that point, you're, you're, in, you're in a studio, right? Yeah, yeah. That was probably the first time we went into a real studio. and it was That was just, it? Yeah, yeah a okay. real studio. Yeah, not, right. not like some guy's house with a... Uh, that was in 83, and we went – it was Perspective Sound. It was like in the valley, and the guy had only done uh, metal bands. He hadn't really recorded punk rock and stuff. His Brad Kilderman, I think his name was. And he was a super cool guy, but he just didn't really quite know what I, – I, the Stern Brothers, BYO, must have just got a really good deal with him or something because I just don't think he really knew who what, you know, what to do with this. But, um, yeah, I think it was – I think we recorded everything uh, in less than a week, and – 
it came time to do the big backing vocals, and we just said we invited anybody we knew down in Southern California that was old enough to either have a, a driver's license or could, their parents would let them come out and do the big vocal stuff on all the songs. And it was like some of the people that ended up being in Uniform Choice and Unity and Justice League and those bands and stuff. So it was just a surreal experience, you know, that somebody was paying for us to be in a studio. You know, that's a that was kind of a one of those moments where we were just laughing at the whole idea, like, you know. Like, why would you do that? <laughs> it's like, I mean, was that record an immediate hit with audiences? I mean, it. I think we hit number seven on the Billboard charts, and yeah, you know, I, 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 you know, I guess so. I suppose so because it, you know, we 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 went on tour right after that, and people knew the the songs, and so right. that was our. Again, we we're coming from a whole different place, you know. Like r- real bands, rock and roll bands, had a whole different idea of what success meant you know we never got a chance to play our local clubs in town no clubs would not touch us until three years into it and then because they knew they saw that we had a big draw in reno then we started getting offers to come and play shows but then at that point we'd already established that we can put on our own shows at a vfw hall and get 500 kids and they'll all get in and all the bands will get paid and you know we'll be fine we don't have bouncers and we don't have bartenders and and that you know so we didn't we, we, for us, it was just like it, we couldn't. We I shouldn't say that we were we were starting to get a lot of letters and postcards from people from around the world saying, "Hey, I, I picked up the album; it's really great, and, and I hope you guys come through." So you know, but it wasn't until we were out on the road that we realized, "Oh shit!" You know, we're onto something. People are really, really digging this, and and I think it helped that Minor Threat had broken up, so there was there wasn't this. Not that we're similar, but I think. People wanted a kind of a melodic punk band with, you know, uh, I don't, I don't know, because I, I don't know if Minor Threat had a positive message necessarily, but I think it just, it, it was a good time. It was good timing for us, and and we didn't have to struggle really to get uh, to get convinced people that we were worth checking out. You know, people, like, people seemed to like it, and you know, the people that were never going to like it never did. So, you know. right, right. I mean, <laughs> the thing about the record is, is, and that's why I asked, is it come seems to come with its own fully realized philosophy you know it's like it's not just a record it's a way of life right 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 i was wondering if it was like triggering something in the audiences that you were seeing at the time it it was resonating for sure i mean it would get we'd get reaction in in some cities you know when we started to go to like um you know i can't even think of anything in particular i I maybe in the south we start i mean the you know we right from the beginning the midwest starting from like salt lake city denver you know, Kansas City, uh, Minneapolis, Chicago. We always had great shows. Like from day one, every it, there was just a. It, we seemed to connect with the the crowds there, which was great. And um, so we were kind of spoiled. But but then when we got pushback, I, I think I remember being in like Morgantown, West Virginia, on that first tour, and it was just we had no idea like what anything about West Virginia or what Morgantown was like. And it was like new wave kids. Like there was no sense of hardcore. Like we were used to going to LA and there's all these kids and, you know, you know, bandanas and boots and chain, whatever. And in, in, in Morgantown, it was just like these kind of adorable little new wave kids, you know, and they didn't, they just didn't really know what, what to make of us. You know, it wasn't that, it wasn't that great. There was really no, the only pushback we ever had really violently was just like, like Nazi white power skinheads. That was really the only, to this day, the only time we ever had uh, really any issues as far as shows go was, was just because of those guys, you know, just they, they didn't like the lyrics or whatnot. So, 
Right. Are you seeing any parallels to that these days online? No. Uh, Oh, yeah. Online, yeah. Yeah. There's always one person that has it will take me to task. I I posted a photo from the Riot Fest where I'm wearing a – I didn't even wear it. I wasn't even trying to send a statement. It was a shirt that I had as I was packing, and I just threw it in there, and it just says anti-fascist. And I I posted – uh, I just what a said, terrible statement it, it, to make! What a terrible awful yeah, right, statement. right. You know, and and I thought, I, I don't know. I, I I'm still clueless about. I, I I automatically think that anybody that's following me on social media knows what a smart ass <laughs> I am and knows that like, you know. I, I mean, sometimes it is just a troll, and it and I'm just I'm just being kind of silly and just trying to get a reaction. But I, I just said, you know, anti-fascist with or without the shirt is what I said. And for the most part, everybody was like, yeah, fuck yeah, yeah. But of course, there was like you know the people that had to. You know, well, thank your current president for you know, but you know, it just started going off. And I, I even asked him. I said, so, so, are you saying fascist? Is it bad to be anti-fascist? Is that what you're saying? And then, Black Lives Matter. Well, let's talk about Black Lives Matter. And it's like, yeah. yeah, no, let's not. Let's just not. <laughs> it's just yeah. probably not a good another idea. crazy thing to say. Another unbelievably <laughs> insane thing to say. <laughs> yeah, it's. Yeah. I mean, you so, know, but I, I don't get it as much as I'm sure some. You know, I'm, I can't even imagine what. You know, like Jello Biafra must just get just so much bullshit. I can't even imagine. Uh, from, yeah, from but he most probably part. digs it. He's probably into it. Yeah, you're right. You're right. He yeah, probably welcomes it. Exactly. It's like, bring, bring it on, kid. You know, I, at this point, it's it's like I don't even it, – it, because you can't have an intelligent discussion. It's just going to always go in – just delve into this – just this – I, I just I can't even do it anymore. You know, I don't I don't want it to take up space in my head anymore. It's just not it's never worth it. It's never there's never a, nothing changes and it's never satisfying in any way. It's just like, wow, you you sit you just sit there with like ah, still like this is still going on. Okay. All right. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> and I and, and I'm not apathetic. I still I'm going to always have my own beliefs and I'm going to believe the way I believe, but I just I just can't. Uh social media is just a, a rough place to try and make change i think at least at, 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 with who i am and at my 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 level <laughs> my 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 lowly status it just doesn't it's not worth it i don't think I'm just a different man We'll let that come around one too And let you understand The music inside will make legitimacy our plan We can walk Together why can't we rock Together we can walk Together why can't we rock Together, we can rock. Together, we can rock. 
mean, seeing you interact with people at your shows, that was a major, major influence on me. You know, you just seem so honest and unpretentious with the way you talk to people. And it was, it, you know, it was a real eye opener to me when I saw that. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. I, I try and, and, and I, and I, and I just don't want to, I'm not, I, I, I was never about create, trying to create a mystery, you know, like that's, I know, I get that that's sort of what you kind of do in band, some bands do that. And it, I get why, because it sells and people really dig it. But I just never really had an interest in that. Nobody in the band ever really wanted to. We were just like, there's talk about doing a, a video. Uh, there's going to be a reissue of the, the Walk Together, Rock Together records in, in a while. And there's talk about mm-hmm. doing a music video for it. And, you know, it's always just a weird thing because I'm like, well, what are we going to do? <laughs> hey, there it is. <laughs> um, yeah, it's going to be reissued. And there's this, you know, Brian Walsby, the regional artist, is back involved. And he's do- he's done all this great artwork. And it's going to be really nice. And there's some extra musical stuff. And it's going to be really cool. Um, but, you know, somebody had said, hey, you know, we got a chance to make a video. And I was like, what are, what are we going to do for a video? You know, like, why don't we just get a bunch of old footage and cram it together and have like, you know, and like, yeah, we could do that. But, you know, so but we started talking to a couple people that do it. And 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 right away it was just like, yeah, that it, it, it I think what I think what happens is that. in a, They're trying to in a nice, respectful way, say, hey, look, we'd love to make a video like a, for seven seconds. But. Like we just really don't want to have seven seconds now in this video, you know, with the way you guys look. You've got hair down to your ass, you know. And I get it. I totally understand. But but what ends up happening is like everything is cloaked in this weird in shadows and this mysterious thing. And I'm like, we were never that band. It was never that's like the antithesis of what we're about. Like everything is in your face and you know, I'd say sometimes on stage, I'd say, you know, I'd I'd mention that I'm sixty one and and uh I'd get shit from a band member too about it like oh man you shouldn't rub it in people's faces and i'm like yeah why not you know like we're up we're, we're it's not like we're not we're killing it like we're, we're rocking everybody everybody's happy to see us and we're doing a good job like we're not bored we're really we're still passionate about what we do why wouldn't i say hey i'm 61 if you're fucking 21 or 31 or 41 and you're just doing nothing in your life you you should be embarrassed you know that this old ass fat guy is up there rocking it you know it, it, i want it to be an inspiration i want people to like not have an excuse to as to why they don't do things you know and even in a small way i think it's important and and especially in music and in underground music scene i think it's still really important to try and get that point across yeah and and, and maybe also too it just kind of strips away the whatever stigma of, of age there might be because you know i still get you know, I thought, you know, whenever I groan about, oh, my back's killing me. So, oh, I thought you were young till I die, Kev. And I'm like, <laughs> you know, I didn't say I was subhuman. I said, you know, I didn't right. say I was like biotic or whatever. But, uh, but I do believe in that. I think it's it's important to like mean hold on to that. That uh, I don't mean youth, meaning be it, you know, you're fifty, you're a creepy fifty-one or sixty-one-year-old dude that's just trying to hang around with young people. I just mean, you know the heartbeat you know like yeah. keep keep it rocking you know and, and 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 keep the movement going as much as you can because at some point you know probably won't be able to you, you won't enjoy that you won't have that so yeah 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 what song was the video going to be for uh I, I, am i supposed to say yet okay. i mean i i don't know that we've actually decided i think i'm assuming it's going to be walk together rock together just because that you know uh doing it 99 red 99 red balloons is probably the, the, the most popular song off that record but um it would be weird and there's probably licensing shit with with nina and, <laughs> right just yeah, just so. 
just have the the Nina video over the track. That's what you should do. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Hey, it was a great video, right? We've covered quite a few pop songs by female singers, and and yeah. and that all goes back to your cover of Ninety Nine Red Balloons. And I mean, there was a direct influence on that. I I remember seeing you cover Rome by the B-52s, you know, and I never got the feeling that you were taking the piss when you did these covers. No, no, no. I always tried to do that with our covers. That's awesome. Yeah. No, not at all. I, I loved Nine Inner When I first heard it, I, I fell in love with it. I saw the video, and I, I would literally wait hours just to see the video again. Just I'd watch MTV and sit through all the bullshit videos just to see that video again because it, it was so intriguing. It was so poorly – not poorly, but it was just very cheap-looking, <laughs> and it was the light. It was burning. Like they'd have the lights in the background burning. The, you know, And, and she was you – know, obviously, she was adorable, but it was just like – I loved that it was an anti – Those leather or at pants. Least, well, yeah, I mean, the whole thing was perfect. It was great. And it was just this yeah. weird thing of how I later found out that she struggled to, to sing the lyrics, uh, the English lyrics. And so they, she did a, a lot of it phonetically. And, and it's so charming the way she pronounces certain words. I, w- I was just, I was, it took me weeks to finally get the courage to go to Steve and Troy and Dan, the guitar player at the time, and say, what do you guys think about covering that 999 Red Balloon song? Because I thought everybody was going to go, oh, you know, yeah, because bands, punk bands were making fun of pop stuff and MTV songs. And I said, but I don't, you know, I love it. I'm, it's not like I'm, I'm, I'm making fun of it. But we had a, sh- a huge show in L.A. at the Olympic Auditorium shortly after that, and we made a decision. We practiced it, and, it, and we just we found the version we wanted to do. And I remember saying, let's do it. Let's just throw it on the set list for this show. And everybody was like, fuck, man, there's like at least four different punk gangs that <laughs> might want to try to kill us just for doing that song. And uh, we almost didn't do it. And then at the end, we not the end, but we, at some point we did it. And the whole crowd, it was like 5,000 kids there, and the whole crowd went nuts, like skinheads and punk rockers and everything. And I'm like, all right, I think we're, we're on to something. But it was like people thought we were making fun of it. I'm like, I'm not making fun of no. it. I think it's a great song. No, not at all. Not at all. <laughs> I mean, and I think, I think that approach influenced a lot of people. To like really, yeah. you know, be, you know, try to, I don't know, rev up some good pop songs. Yeah, yeah, sure, why not? And and it didn't need it. It was such a good song on its own. But I just thought, right. God, it, it it begs to have be, you know, have a little oomph added right. to it. And then we added the whoa woes on there and and stuff. So I'm yeah, <laughs> I'm, I mean, it's one of those songs. It's been this thing that we've. It's just hovered around us like for 42 years but i i never get bored playing it you know it's one of those things where i think like man we should just drop it for a while and i think we did for a little while but i love playing it it's fun it's it's it, there's that little breakdown it gets people dancing in a, in a in a way that they're not normally dancing out there on the dance floor and <laughs> it's all right it's all right by me what i would, think it's great what was with all the uh german into english pop songs in the early 80s i mean there was like the commissar Right, there was, yeah. Uh, there was, and that was Major Tom. Major Tom wasn't that. Oh that, wow! Yeah. Well, who who did the who was the the, the Dirk Commissar Komma, song? Who Falco. Was that? Do you that remember? was Falco. 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 And then after the fire, did the American version. Wow, I don't know. It was happening. Yeah, who knows? Well, it's funny because I guess uh, it's interesting. She was Nana was born. My. I was born on March 24th, 1961. She was born March 24th, 1960. And forever that was like I'd boast about that. Like I thought it was made me made me cooler somehow. But I guess she's like a crazy – I shouldn't – crazy. She's like anti-vax, uh-huh. like kind of a nightmare now, you yeah. know. And I, I was like, oh, <laughs> shit. <laughs> 
Oh, well. Well, I mean, I think that's do. cool because you, you never seemed afraid of outside influences or, you know, or you didn't seem afraid to break from any orthodoxy, like even the ones you helped <laughs> set up, you know, and that yeah. left a big impression on me. You know, when you were growing out your hair, you're putting out the drop acid record, you know, your solo <laughs> stuff. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, it's yeah, just yeah, like, yeah. I was like, this guy's not going to look back, you know? It, it, it just was, uh, I would ponder it just because I was like, I. It's one thing to do it on my own. I don't, I've never had. I've never cared. But when you're dragging everybody else with you in your band, you know, I would. I would have these discussions. I'm like, I even, you know, before we did the new end, new end record, a lot of that stuff was written. I had written the stuff I had written was like, I was trying to put together a side band that ha, mm-hmm. that that was more inf- influenced by U2, The Cure, The Cult, like those bands, um, yeah. and I we had. At the time, Troy was out for a while, and we had this drummer from New York, Belvy, and he was way into it. He was like, fuck, we should just do it. So we would rehearse like we were going to just do it as a whole new band. I think I had a name and everything. But then I, I remember playing it for Steve and Troy, and, and I don't know, at that point we were having so many weird like in and outs with band members. And they loved it. They are like, well, why don't we just do it in seven seconds? And I'm like, if you guys are into it, you know. But, it, I mean, it wasn't, the, it wasn't the smartest move in terms of, like, records and 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 i mean we we took a lot of shit from from people because of that especially from the hardcore kids but it was um it, i'm glad we did what we wanted to do and i'm glad everybody got on board and and understood how important it was to just try to do we all listen to so many different styles of music and we grew up with that kind of stuff and it just didn't make sense to not I mean, I guess we'd probably didn't need to do a rap song, you know. We need, <laughs> need, need, need to do the rap thing in colorblind, yeah. but you know, it was it was it was out of love and respect, you know. We had we started to hear we we had all this music that we just coming out of us, and and a lot of the stuff that we were listening to just was influencing influencing us, um, and it just. I don't know. It just seemed like it was an okay time. There was a lot of stuff in the scene too that was kind of crazy. Like it was, it become so violent and so negative, and it just was so neat. You know, it to me it was like, it just it it never. I couldn't connect the two. You know, I couldn't. I when everybody would say, "Well, it's punk. It's supposed to be raw and violent." I'd be like, "Why?" You know, like I get it. We're we're, we're rebelling, and it's we're going against the grain, whatever, but I, I never understood the violent aspect of it. And, and especially when it was within the scene itself, like punk rockers and beating up on punk rockers and skinheads beating up. I just never understood any of it, you know? And, and I, I, I did everything I could to, to mouth off about it and, and, and let everyone know that this is just not, we're not into this at all, you know? So I think maybe, I don't, I don't, I don't re- remember thinking it this way, but I, I think there probably was something to like, maybe if we're just slowing things down a little bit and and trying to get people to kind of chill out. I, I don't know. I don't know what the hell we were thinking. But anyway, I mean, you know, I, I stand by it. Good. So yeah. Good or bad. But, but if, if, <laughs> I don't want to skip over this because th- this was a lot of us fans of Seven Seconds kind of came into the scene around the time when you were doing this stuff because we're a certain age, you know, 87, yep. 88. And our old buddy Matt Garcia kind of got us all into your band in the first place. Yep. But yeah. this record right here, where there I it mean, is. this is not even available on stream. Praise the, I know, the EP I know. for Praise. This is my favorite Seven Seconds record. Thank and, you. And Thank and you. I just have to say, there's a lot of people out there that actually still. I mean, I just I I talk to people. They're like. I can't believe they don't play these songs anymore. But anyway, I know. Uh, no, and well, and I'm glad you mentioned that because I was going to say that what it did do is once the 
the the initial blow of like all of a sudden you know when we were playing up until walk together rock together like all the magazine you know flip side and maximum rock and roll they loved us we were always on you know we were doing interviews and they were coming to the shows and after that came out, i remember tim johannan from maximum rock and roll just being dev he was just like dude what are you doing you know they were so bummed <laughs> out and a lot of people that was a reaction you know i remember there were kids that would cry in the front of the stage they would go in the front just to show us how bummed about it that they, that they were and i'm like this is fucked up man but but then all of a sudden, you know, the smoke cleared and all of a sudden there were like these younger, these kids that were embracing this stuff. And all of a sudden people were coming to the shows and they were, they were into it. And right. I'm like, well, shit, that's cool, you know. So and to this day, I mean, um, I, you know, over the last 20 years, the biggest, you know, people, people, the, the only real complaint I hear is that you guys just don't do enough. You don't do anything off of praise. You don't do enough of stuff <laughs> off of Silver's Revolution. Which I agree. I agree. We tried to do it. We we really did. We there were there were we really there was a good amount of years where we really tried to blend all the different styles into one thing, and it, it was um it, it was it was me. I just felt like it was really hard to put the set list together and try to find that and to keep the energy going that I thought was really necessary. Mm. Um, and you know, Steve and Troy disagreed with me. They were like, "Nah, fuck it, let's just play all of it." And I'm like, "All right," but I would just I would. I, I felt like we were so uh, connected to the energy of the audience that the minute that there was this lull, I would just get really insecure about it, and I'd be like, "Oh man, we shouldn't have done that song." Yeah. You know? So, but you know, I don't know. I appreciate that, and we get a lot of love. Uh, and still to this day, we get a lot of people telling telling us saying the same thing that you just said, Gabe. Like that, this is my favorite record, and you know, my my, my thing has always been like th- those records were not recorded as well as they could have been because, for instance, that record was recorded in like two days in Minneapolis when I was sick. You. Can can hear that I was sick. You can tell that I we, we were on tour and I had no voice and I'm croaking like you know. <laughs> and the guy uh, Steve Hillstead that we worked with, you know, we just wanted to go in there because he'd recorded Husker Du and the replacements, and we, we just had this opportunity to do it. But it wasn't well planned. You know, we didn't. The, I don't. I think the songs were we'd already played the songs live, but it just never try to make a record when you're on tour that's just a really yeah. dumb idea <laughs> it's just, like, <laughs> just just to to reiterate though at that that time there was a lot of bands that were kind of following that style that like if you listen to some of Ian McKay's stuff you know he, he was doing embrace right and, yeah. you know so yeah. and, and he Dagnasty didn't, had yeah, their thing and Dagnasty did you know field day so it's not like you yeah. you were going way out there you were you were to, it was part of a time when when music was changing and the late 80s I, were, were was part of that time for sure, I, I, I'm convinced, and 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 I don't know if anybody will agree with me, but I've said this forever. I I think the worst thing I could have ever done was wear a U2 shirt in in photos, and <laughs> and, and and we thanked you too on New End. Yeah. I still am convinced that that was primarily. So oh, I can't say too too much about it. The New End record's going to get reissued, and that's there's some really insane stuff that's happening with this record. I can't even. I'm not even trying to be coy. I just can't talk about it because we're in the middle of doing it. But we've. We found some songs that were never released, but we also like. I I I, I, I shouldn't bring it up. I'm only bringing it up because it, it's gotten it, it's gotten the record will be. It's not even we're not touching the the mix at all. We're remastering the record as is. It's going to go back to the original cover. Da da da. da. But there's going to be a a companion record that's going to have that's that's remixed of some stuff that came that we discovered, and. The mix, the the new mix is exactly how it should have been recorded. It should have been mixed the way that it was. It's punchier, that fucking crazy, shitty 
80s reverb has been stripped out of it a little bit. It's a little, it's a little, just not as, you know, the, my vocals came down, which is always a reason I can never listen to that record. Um, and it just, everything sounds punchy and, and solid. And I'm like, had had this version come out, it came out, it, it would have changed everything. Like the whole... Everything would have been different yeah. is in terms of us and the you know uh, I still think the hardcore kids would have hated it but I mean I think it would have just been more of a record we would have been like hell yeah this is this is it sounds good and it was the way that we wanted to record it we just didn't have the the know how or the the ability to go into a studio and and make shit work you know but I mean so, even even in eighty four on Aim to Please you're talking about people who were criticizing you because like you'd lost your edge you know I mean that was right, in eighty four. Right. You know, so yeah. it seemed like you were always getting it. it. It didn't take much. You know, we got back from our first. I, I remember getting back. We got back into Reno. We played a weekend of a Bay Area date, San Francisco and Berkeley. We came back and we were thrilled because we got to play with all these great bands and we killed it. And we got back and I remember just two different people I ran into. One at work. I was working as a busboy at a casino. Right. I mean, how much? Like, like you can't be a sellout when you, when you when you're coming home and making four dollars an hour as a busboy right but i remember hearing oh yeah it's just here goes seven seconds it's just you know you guys are sold out that's all you know you play you're gonna probably move to san francisco and i'm like <laughs> they're already shitting on us like we're the big band out of reno like we, we we put reno on the map we're the guys putting the shows on and we're doing everything here and it's like you're gonna shit on us because we went and had a successful weekend in the bay area you know <laughs> so from that point on i remember thinking i don't think it's gonna get any easier i think people are just gonna they're looking for reasons to try to make us feel bad about ourselves and I think we we just need to do what we love to do and stick stick together and 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 not get uh, not let this outside shit shake us because you know I mean and this is way before the internet you know with the internet now everybody's a, everybody can say whatever the fuck they want and there's no you know but yeah I mean and 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 I think that did help us going into trying to do different stuff uh, you know in the mid period of our career or whatever I think it. Or even just saying, hey, you know what, let's just, you know, at one point in 95, it was just Steve, Troy, and I again, and we just we just made a record as a, as a three-piece, and it was just a straight-ahead rock, punk rock record, you know. Didn't sell anything, you know, much, but it was just like, it, you know, if I listen to it now, I'm like, I remember fondly how important it was for us to make that kind of a record again, because it was just, we wanted light and just... We wanted people to shut up and just either come to the shows and and listen and, and rock out, or just stay home and you know don't don't bother us anymore. Right. You <laughs> it's like the music and the message record. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. it was already there was already you know we were already like uh, sellouts, you know. And I remember I, I made a joke. I said uh, the minute that the well, so much for playing Gilman Street. Right. We're not playing Gilman Street. <laughs> and sure enough, like our booking agent tried to get us the show, and they're like, nope, we can't book them. They're on, you know, fucking Sony conglomerate or whatever. And we're like, all right, we figured that, but. It was, you know, it was just like at that point, it it didn't really matter. We we had just we, we were just doing what we wanted to do, you know, and and it it didn't really matter uh, what anybody was saying at that point because we were, we our expectations were pretty reasonable, and you know, I mean, we were never like a big selling record band. We never sold a ton of records, you know, like I the the, the crew and Walk Together Rock Together are still the two biggest records we've ever done, and and you know, but anything else after that was like. You know, it was it for us. Ten or twenty thousand records was a big deal, but that you know, in, in hindsight, that was nothing. You know. Well, I mean, how did you go back to your roots on that record without feeling like you were you were regressing? I I you know I don't I have no idea. I don't even I don't even remember what it. All I remember is just being so excited that 
uh, Bobby had left because he was just unhappy with touring and he had stuff going on in his life. And we, you know, we thought about getting another guitar player. We tried to get, uh, we did have a guitar player for a while, but he was, we knew he was going to go to school and stuff. So we, I was like, why don't we just record it as a three piece and just, you know, let's see how it goes. And if, if, if we're happy with it, then let's tour as a three piece. And we did. There's a really cool video on YouTube. I just, somebody turned me on to it not too long ago and it's of us playing in, in Tokyo oh, yeah. in like 90, I don't know, 97. It's amazing. It's just the three of us and it's packed. And, there, you know, it, it just like there was no bullshit. I hardly said anything between songs. It was just like, Troy was like, one, two, one, two, three, four. We went, it's incredible. It's just like it, we were on fire. And I'm like, wow, I didn't realize, I didn't think we were that good back then. You know, like I, you don't hear me saying that, that too often, but it was, um, it, everything was just, it, it was stripped down and back to where, it was easy again, you know, and, and there was nobody, I don't think we, we didn't have management, you know, we were kind of going, I think we, we might've been in between bookers. I, we might've just gotten Margie, our current booker, but like, when we you just, were on Epic, you had no management. No, oh, this is after- no. we I, I, actually, we had, our manager was our, my friend, my friend Brent, who played drums on the Drop Acid record, and he was studying. He was go, he was already in school to become a, a lawyer, but he was gonna he was doing like in, environmental law. It had nothing to do with the music <laughs> business, but he negotiated with with um, Immortal was the label, which was just this. You know, Corn was the, the, the that's where Corn came from, yeah. and I think somebody else big from that. You know, um, not nine eleven or three eleven, but in. What's the? It starts with an I. Incubus. Incubus. I think, was, I think Incubus favorite. were. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I mean, and and they even they approached us. It was an almost an accidental thing. They were actually interested in in this project they did called Five Ten. They were the, the one of their A and R guys loved it, and loved that I was playing with one of the girls from this an all girl band from Sacramento called Tiger Trap that kind of became an indie pop big indie pop band, and. We just started this little side project, and this guy at, at the label loved it. But I had said, hey, you know, seven seconds, we're kind of looking for something. Nobody nobody will touch. You know, we we talked to Fat. They didn't want to do anything. We, You know, there was nobody else really interested. So I said, what do you think? And he's like, ah. So that all kind of came together accidentally, really. And they just, we just, like I said, the whole thing was, I remember they took us, they flew us down to L.A. and put us up at the Hyatt and bought us food and we let us raid the fucking, you know, re- whatever yeah. records we wanted from the the vaults. And, you know, it was just such a goofy thing, but we were just like, we'd already had the songs we wanted to record and, 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 uh, they, they tried to fight us. They wanted us to come down and record in Hollywood. And we said, no, we, we have this place in Sacramento. And they came up and looked at it. And it was just this junky converted warehouse with a skate ramp in the middle of it and a basketball hoop. And they they were like, you know, you guys can't record here. This is, and I was like, Tons of bands have recorded here. This place is legendary in Sacramento. And they're like, oh man, come on. But it was just a it was a fun time. Let's do it for the frustration.
Well, I mean, now, you know, it looks like you're playing some of the biggest shows of the band's career. and You seem completely comfortable in your own skin. I mean, can, but yeah. can you look back at the band's history and see waves of up and downs? Do you see any patterns or is it all chaos? I mean, we're 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 all pretty chaotic. There's been, you know, if there's been a lot of uh, just, yeah, on a personal level, it's it's just just maintaining. I think just becoming adults was a, a real rough thing, you know, at the at the tender age of thirty, thirty two, thirty three. You know, that was that was a little rough, you know. But um, it, being in a band with your brother can be the best or the worst, absolute worst thing ever. But when it's when it's good, it's fucking great. Um, I think it's been pretty consistent. I mean, especially with you know, it didn't get it didn't change until Troy and I had a phone call, and he told me that I I can't do this. I want to, but I I just can't physically. You know, I'm having issues now that I I I just didn't I didn't take under I didn't consider. You know, and that was a that was a real sobering time because uh, you know Troy was always kind of our he was solid. You know, Troy was just always like he would. If me and my brother would get into a fist fight, we'd we'd stop ourselves because we didn't want to make Troy feel bad because we knew how much it would affect him, you know. And he was our rock, and and so for him to not like not for him to be the one to come to come to me and say, I th- we're gonna have to we, I think we got to cancel these dates we have. We were supposed to play a punk rock bowling show, and then we had Europe, and um, he said, I hate doing this. He yeah. goes, I, if, I'd understand if you guys want to find another drummer and. I considered it because I just didn't want to. I didn't want to let anybody down. I didn't want to cancel shows. I knew people had already put a lot of effort and whatever into it, but it just came down to us saying, you know, at this point, just to do this without our 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 other brother is like this just doesn't make any sense. And maybe this is you know, maybe this is the time to call it quits. the The, the sad part is that the last couple of shows we played leading up to that here in California, they just they were fine shows, but they just weren't. They weren't great shows. We didn't. We we were just. We weren't happy with the way it sounded and stuff. And I just. I said. I know this is gonna just gnaw on me. I know it. I know it. I'm just gonna think about it all the time. And everybody. We were all still tight, and we were all still excited about playing together, which was which was the really hard part. You know, it just was like, it sort of felt like our hand was being forced, and and um, I I accepted it, but I, I you know I I thought about it every day, and it was really rough when I'd see like. Uh, you know, I'd see a new a, a poster for like the fest in Florida, or like you know uh, another big show happening. I'd be like, oh man, it'd be so fun to play that. Or da-da-da. you know, that's 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 the only time I'd really start to think this is gonna this is gonna suck. Yeah. You know, like missing out on these cool opportunities and stuff. But um, yeah, no, I think we've been pretty. I think it's been. It, I mean, it's always been chaotic, and it's always been everything has been un- un- unexpectedly great, overwhelmingly so. You know, even the bad stuff is like. We navigated through it pretty well, and I think I think we've just had we had so many great opportunities given to us that I don't think any of us will ever uh, not reflect on that and, and appreciate it, you know. Um, and you know now it's like the only shows we're gonna ever if we play if we never play again we'll we'll be fine. We'll be we'll be like hey we had a great run this year this this is great you know. But if we do it now the shows are just gonna be uh, great. On a number of levels, you know, we're not gonna, we're not gonna be taken advantage of. We're not gonna be, you know, we're 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 not gonna play just any show. We I, we we all want to make every show we do from here on out count, and I, we always did. But you know, it, it's just we're not lost in our in in our thoughts as to, you know, what we're 
<laughs> what we're trying to accomplish right. at, at 42 years old as a band, you know, it's like it's just kind of a, let's just play and rock it, you know, that's that's it. Yeah. I got two things I want to bring up because okay, here we go. I've, I've probably waited 30 something years to mention this. <laughs> It was, you, know, uh, you could have said any of these things like about a half an hour ago. No, I, I, was, bringing, I was bringing my side to the thing. But okay. it was 1989, I think, November, yep. in a little town called Waukegan, Illinois, where our buddy Matt Garcia brought Seven Seconds into town. Do you remember that show? I do. I do. This was, uh, I do. This was around my 18th birthday. Uh, <coughs> Matt, Matt had to set up a show, basically say, hey, Kevin, can you come out? Can, you, can Seven Seconds play a show? But we got to sell tickets and we got to say it's a birthday party. We can't say it's a concert. Wow! So, yes. So this and it was at a it was at a hall. Yeah, like it was a, a good was it was a little good hall? fellowship hall in Waukegan. Right. And right. Uh, it was a small stage, you know, held a couple hundred people. But that's like a legendary show in everybody's eyes in our hometown because anybody who was anybody went to that show and has memories. And you know, I think you dedicated "Young Until I Die" to me at that point. I think Matt might have asked you to do it, and then they had a cake and everything. But I'm just yeah. It, it was just such a uh, uh, a point in my life where I'm like, oh my god, seven seconds coming to Waukegan. This, this, it doesn't get any better than this. You know, we grew up there, so yeah, no. And and what's great is that you know, I, you guys had your little. You, there was a little crew. Oh, yeah. You guys had a crew, yeah. and and you guys had become such a part of our not even just Midwest. I remember we were down in Florida, and I think Matt and Cassandra, yeah. and like all the, the parts of your guys, the crew would come down. We, you guys were like. It, it, this is what I love mostly about Seven Seconds, is that throughout the years we've always had these pockets of, in in our eyes, the best of the best, like the the kids that were a little smarter, a little more open minded. They were fun loving. They were they, they 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 whatever they loved about us. It was like it made us happy, and we'd see you guys a lot. So it was it wasn't like we could always count on seeing you guys at at least three shows. You know what yeah. I mean? Like the Chicago. Da, da. So yeah, that was a that was a big it was important a, thing. It was a pilgrimage we did basically. You know, when you when you were coming to town in the summer, we'd hit Chicago, Milwaukee, Green Bay, yep. you know. Uh, Absolutely. Wherever. Yeah. I went to Cleveland and saw you guys with quicksand and it was like right. It was incredible. It was, those days. Yeah, it, those are great, man. Those are great. And and I uh on this past tour we we saw a little bit of that still. Like some of the people that are now in their 40s and 50s showing up, you know, but with their kids or with their, you know, and and I'm like, "You know what? This is this is a, this is the greatest thing ever." You know, like and it would always make me uh go home and go, "Why can't I be a great fan of music like that like I, I i've gone out of town to see bands but i'm like why can't i, I want to be that into like bands that i i'm just like fuck it i'm just gonna travel you know 200 miles and go see these guys you know i was like but no you guys are always very very uh special in our hearts we 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 knew you all by first names and and um you had you know you had much longer hair <laughs> i remember just a, a, yeah but no i mean it was uh it was it was you know it's 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 great i love it i still it's still uh enormously meaningful to me you know it's it and i and it's funny to talk to other bands peers whatever from the same era because everybody has their own some people are super just bitter and just just like fuck it all it's just what a what a uh, fuck it you know you know I'll, they're doing it for a couple bucks and it was like i i just feel so fortunate that we had to we got to be in a in a band that got to hang out with uh people that started out as just being fans who ended up becoming lifelong friends, right. you know, and we got to experience life beyond just, you know, the VFW halls and yeah, there was a <laughs> cubby bear. I think, and I'm pretty sure the story goes 
This this is the first local H seven inch. Oh, we forgot to bring that up. Here it is. Do you remember the logo? Do you is. remember the logo here? Of course, of course I do. Of course I do. I don't think people yeah. know, but but Kevin drew this the, the first Kevin local drew H the logo. First local H logo. That's right. I was going to yeah, bring it up, and I, I forgot all about it. I try to tell people that I'm in a huge way responsible for local age <laughs> yes. becoming what it what it did, but you know people don't listen to me. No, I uh, I have it. I still have my seven inch. By the way, I still have it. In there. I found it not too long ago, and, um, and it's funny. I looked at it and I was like. Why did they think that was good? Like, I, like, like I feel like I could have done so much better. And I remember Matt, you know, hit me up to do it, and I was like, "Yeah, sure, you just want the, you know." But yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That record's like you can't find that record anymore, right? It's like a no. Pretty, yeah, this is we tried to we like tried a, to hide like every a, copy. <laughs> I think there were three hundred done, and and only a hundred of them made it to the streets. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, thanks for doing this, Kevin. Of course, man. It is great to see you, you, and I am. So happy for you about the year you've had, and and you know I, Thanks, I, I, I just proud and everything. It's just just honored to talk to you. You know. Well, thank you. Same same to you, Scott. I appreciate it. Thanks for uh, thinking of me and letting me do this. I appreciate it. It's fun. Man, we're I'm so happy. So happy you did it. You made my made my week, sir. <laughs>